0: The baseball. The Philadelphia Eagles are
1: Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for
2: you. Now entering the game for Philly Press Box Radio, Bill Furman and Jim Ches Chesko
3: it's wednesday october 12 2022 welcome to the philly press box radio roundtable brought to you by the irish rover station house in langhorne pa Allstate insurance in westchester pa and the edge of philly sports network i'm bill Furman. i'll be your host tonight along with my partner jim chad chesco and chad it's good to have you back from vacation uh We zigged, we zagged, we zigged, we zagged, and here we are right at the regular start time at 7 o'clock tonight, so we're going to make the most of it. Uh, But I have to tell you, you missed an unbelievable sports week while you were on vacation. The Phillies, the Phillies, the Phillies, they go to St. Louis, take care of their business there, win game one, going to win game two tonight. Hopefully, if not, it'll be tomorrow, but they're going to win that one too. Um, The Eagles, they host the Cowboys Sunday night. They're still undefeated. The Flyer season opens tomorrow night. Penn State is headed to the big house for a noon kickoff against Michigan. They're going to win that one too. So much to talk about.
4: Apparently, I should leave the country more often, Bill. All these good <laughs> things happening. Yeah, the Phillies uh, about to play game two, we think, of the NLDS, if uh, the weather does permit. You mentioned the Eagles they're after this great start. The Union also finishing up uh, atop the East in the MLS. Yeah, I just mentioned soccer. How about that? Philadelphia <laughs> sports fans uh, are in a pretty good mood this week.
3: By the way, what time do the Mets play tonight? Uh, they golfed today. Uh, they might have got washed out, but they had a tee time this morning. Keith Hernandez was uh, the first first golfer of the day. Oh, my. Let's get uh, it going, Bill. Come, come on. Away. We have two great guests tonight. Jet uh, Baseball Hall of Fame writer Paul Hagan returns to talk Phillies and former Flyers defenseman turned author Chris Terrian joins us in the second half.
4: Yeah, thanks for uh, everybody who's kind of, you know, gone with us today with our scheduling adjustment. We were going to go after the afternoon game ended, but they haven't even started that game. So we thought maybe we can move it till much later, but no, that would be too late. Can we move it to 630 or so? No, seven o'clock is our regular time. We're going with it. Hopefully the game will be started at least, you know, before eight o'clock and then we
3: can all enjoy the game and another Phillies win. Let's get it going, Bill. Let's do it. Let's welcome Paul Hagan and. Back to Philly Press Box Radio. Paul, appreciate your patience with our zigging and zagging, but here we are right on time.
2: Yeah, well, you know, you can't do anything about the rain. I've set out a bunch of rain delays in my life. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure you have. Hey, uh,
4: Paul, I want to ask you first of all, how much did the Phillies perhaps benefit from dropping to the sixth seed in a matchup with the Cardinals in the wild card round instead of ending as number five and having to play those stinking Mets?
2: Yeah, I mean, especially when you consider – Uh, Not that there's necessarily a carryover from the regular season, but I think the Phillies only won like four out of 19 against the Mets or something like that this year. So uh, I think, uh, yes, I think that was very fortunate. And once they clinched, I don't think they had a whole lot of interest in uh, winning either one of those last two games and going, uh, going past San Diego. I think they're very happy to have it the way it was. Mm -hmm. Hey Paul, have you ever
3: seen in, in all your years of covering baseball, uh, a team get to the playoffs Uh, that really has no uh, identity in their bullpen. Uh, You know, they don't have a setup guy. They don't have a closer. We're not sure. It's all by committee and all by kind of guy, by gut feel at this point.
2: Yeah, closer by committee is is a shorthand for that you don't have a very good bullpen normally. (laughs) But um, the way Jose Alvarez has been pitching, um, and if Sir Anthony now uh, Dominguez is back uh, from whatever was ailing him, um, you know, I, I think uh, Zach Eflin still has to show that he can close consistently if he's going to be the closer, but, uh, they do have a couple guys at least down there now that Rob Thompson seems to have some confidence in, and that's a pretty important thing too. The manager has got to believe in his guys when he sends them out there too. They
4: don't have David Robertson, but that's a whole nother story. That's uh, an unfortunate injury. Boy, he's had some, uh, tough mishaps during his time in Philadelphia, but enough about him. Let's get to the starters. Uh, they won with, you know, Ranger Suarez really struggling in game one, the bullpen and kind of bailing him out at times and, you know, putting the law seven runs on the board really helped. And now game two, whether it happens this evening or tomorrow, you got Zach Wheeler followed by Aaron Nola. You got to like the Phillies chances right here.
2: You know, two, two things have occurred to me, um, really just in, in the postseason since Wheeler and Nola has started pitching so well. One is I remember the 2001 Diamondbacks who had um, Randy Johnson and Kurt uh, Schilling at the top of their rotation <clears throat> and three other guys named Joe and took it all the way to a World Series because those two guys were so good. Now, I'm not saying Wheeler and Nola are as good as Schilling and Johnson were that year, but they don't have to be that good all year. They just have to be that good for a few more starts. So I think that's the one thing that jumps out at me. The other thing is, it reminds me a little of the 93 Phillies in the sense that uh, we came out of spring training and, and, you know, there was all this talk about, Oh, this could be something special. There's a special feeling here, but if you don't win once the season starts, um, then that can go away pretty quick. Um, So they went to Houston, Uh, Houston had loaded up that off season and swept the Astros on the road. And that just kicked off a a streak uh, where they, if you remember, they had the games where all of a sudden uh, Milt Thompson was going over the left field fence to take a grand slam away from Bob Gearn in San Diego. And Mickey Borandino was diving across second base in the ninth inning to uh, keep the Dodgers from winning a game. Tommy Lasorda had already jumped out of the dugout celebrating. Uh, And it, it just, one thing sort of fed on the next thing. And, you know, you could make a case that that comeback against the Cardinals in game one of the Wild Card series could have that kind of effect. You know, there's a lot of talk going into the postseason. Yeah, we can do this. Yeah, we're good enough. Yeah, we're blah, 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 with all that, you know, but you have to go out and do it. And when you do it and do it in that fashion, uh, sometimes if you believe you're a team of destiny, uh, you become a team of destiny. Uh, I still think the Braves are the better team. I still think that uh, the Phillies have to prove they can beat him, but you know, stranger things have happened in this game.
3: Yeah, and, and you know, one thing that to me that's putting put some things into perspective is that Bryce Harper looks like he is quietly heating up. And if there's any one guy that can carry this team, it's Bryce Harper. And uh, he, you know, they always say when you're when you're a left hander and you're hitting that ball the opposite way and hitting it hard, good things are happening, and he's doing it right now.
2: Yeah, and I mean, he's a good player, and he unfortunately had the uh, injury to the thumb that I guess is going to require off-season surgery, but uh, he does look like he might be getting his swing back a little bit. I think he what he had one rehab game, so it's probably not surprising. It would have been a little, I mean, I know he's the reigning MVP, but it might have been asking a little much for him to just come back after being off that long and pick up where he left off. So you're right, Maybe uh, maybe he's getting hot at just the right time.
4: And speaking of getting hot at the right time, how about that Nick Castellanos? I was kind of hard on him all season because I thought he underperformed. I mean, they didn't pay him $20 million a year to hit 13 home runs or whatever he had. Um, You know, the batting average was decent, but now all of a sudden he is hitting better. And then he made that great catch, which, uh, you know, was just huge in the ninth inning of game one. So, boy, if he can get hot right now and Harper and maybe even Schwarber, too, we got something.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think this this team uh, has really performed up to its full offensive potential a lot of the year. But as you said, if you get a couple of your big guys hot at the same time, <clears throat> you know, going back to the Team of Destiny theme, uh, Castellanos defensively was considered a liability going yeah. into the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see him make a catch like that uh, – Again, it just makes you think, well, maybe thing, maybe good things are starting to happen here. Maybe it's going to be one of those uh, stretches where things just break your way.
3: You know, and, and Rob Thompson was asked uh, last night after the game, um, why did he make the defensive move to take Schwarber out when normally that's a move that takes Castellanos out, Castellanos makes the play? You know, sometimes you got it's better to be lucky than good. You push the right buttons and some good things happen.
2: Yep, absolutely right.
4: Hey, Paul, let me ask you What do you think of the new wild card format? I thought it was a pretty exciting weekend, the new best of three, certainly better than a one game wild card that they've had, you know, in some recent years. Uh, do you like it?
2: Well, I, I mean, know you're an
4: old traditionalist, <laughs> but uh, that's a whole other story. Yeah, yeah it is.
2: Um, if the Phillies were to go deep into this postseason, and let's say they go to the World Series or or even win the World Series. Good for them, (laughs) but this is the first time in baseball history they would have made the playoffs. They were based on the regular season. They were the third best team in their division this year. Mm -hmm. So I guess if you believe in reseeding more or less for the postseason and, you know, giving everybody a chance, I guess that's fine. It is exciting. Um I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the big uh, advantage that the teams that were seated higher had was they had all three games at home. And if I'm not mistaken, three of the four home teams lost. Hmm. So, um, I don't know. I, I I guess I think that the more teams you let in the playoffs, the more it lets the owners off the hook for having to try to put the best team yeah. possible on the field uh one wild card doesn't really bother me and and that made a lot of sense i guess when you have three divisions um because you might have a 103 win team like the giants i think 103 win wins a few years ago and didn't even make the playoffs yeah so in that sense yeah okay um but if you can be two games under 500 uh in september and be considered a, in the chase uh <laughs> I mean, I guess it's, I guess it becomes more exciting once you get there, but I didn't find it all that compelling in September, to be honest with you.
3: Okay. Interesting. Well, I think, uh, I haven't seen the TV numbers, but I have to think the weekend's numbers had to be really, really good because there was some exciting baseball, no matter who was pitted against who, uh, it was good baseball. And it, it, it definitely, uh, it was almost like for me watching hockey playoffs. It definitely went up a notch.
2: No doubt. No doubt about it. And, uh, I think to see the the Indians win uh, was was kind of exciting. I mean, I'm always going to be biased toward a Terry Francona team, but uh, I love the way they play the game. They play it, I think, a little more the old-fashioned way, even though that didn't necessarily show up in their first series uh, when they hit some home runs. But they're a uh, you know put the ball in play, keep the line moving type of team, uh, kind of like the Phillies were in their rally on uh, in game one of the wild card, and and really were uh, for the most part uh, in their big first inning first few innings yesterday so i i mean i i, I enjoy that kind of baseball and uh, but you're right it's every pitch matters you know every every umpire's call every um yeah so it's it's fun it's a lot of fun
4: uh i think even with wheeler pitching for the phillies in game two the braves are favored you know they got a pretty good guy in the mound as well um I think this is setting up really well for them with Wheeler and Nola, as I said earlier. Who's going to pitch Game Four if there is a Game Four? Is that Falter?
2: I don't know. I'm obviously not there and haven't been talking to people, but that would be my guess. Um, could be, you know, could be Falter on a short leash, depending on how rested the bullpen is. Um,
4: Maybe keep Sindergard. Uh, I, but but know, I, I think. Of- yeah,
2: I was. I was a little surprised not to see Sindergard earlier yesterday um i would have thought he might have been the logical person to come in after uh after uh or i i was gonna i should say come in earlier uh for suarez yeah i I think letting suarez go as long as they let him go was uh risky i mean it worked out but Mm -hmm. uh i'm I'm pretty sure i wouldn't have done it that way but then again i don't get paid manager money
3: (laughs) i'm I'm excited to see bailey falter i've been on the bailey falter train for the last couple months he's been He's been good for them down the stretch, and they really needed him. So I I am definitely looking forward to that.
2: Yep.
4: Paul, what's your gut telling you? Do the Phillies win this series now?
2: Uh, The fact that they – I hate to use the term stole the first game with Suarez starting, but, you know, I I guess I would have felt better about it going in if they had Wheeler, uh, Nola from the jump. But they didn't. And they got the win in the Soros start. Now they got Wheeler and Nola for two and three. Mm -hmm. And in theory, at least maybe for some uh, relief innings in a game five if needed. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, normally you talk about game two being the most important game in a five-game series. um, And it it still is. But, boy, for, for them to be able to win that first game and now have a fully fully rested we learned a fully rested nola uh up one nothing um i think that's that sets up pretty nicely for them Mm
3: -hmm. hey paul i want to ask you looking forward into next year uh i I probably already know what you're going to say about this but i'm going to ask you anyway i know you're going
2: to ask and i hate it
3: (laughs) what do you think about this shift uh getting rid of this shift and uh Making guys just be able to get hits instead of learning how to hit. Pete Rose said he'd hit 400 every year if they shifted on him.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind it in the sense that it's going to make the game more like it used to be. But as a matter of principle, um, if a team wants to put all seven of their fielders in right field, I, I think they should be allowed to. And then, you know, how many times have you heard baseball's game of adjustments? Mm-hmm. Well, then it's up to the hitter to adjust in, in basketball. Uh, if um, uh, if another team wants to put four guys on Joel Embiid and one guy on the other four, they they can wouldn't be a very good idea, <laughs> but they can. Um, you know, I, I just there are certain things I don't think in sports you you legislate. I think teams uh, try to be smarter than the other team. And if you can be smarter and and, uh, position your guys in a better way than than the other team does and know where where the ball's going to be hit more often than not, then good for you. Uh, Then then again, you also have a lot of times we've seen where it only works if the pitcher makes his pitch in a certain spot Mm -hmm. and he misses and the ball goes somewhere else um, or the hitter adjusts. I mean, how many times have we seen this, the pitcher get mad when a ground ball that would have been an out under normal alignment goes through because there's a big shift out? Uh, so I, I don't have as big a problem with that, um, especially since, uh, like I say, if, if you're smarter enough to figure out a way to win, good for you. Go for it.
4: The other big uh, change will be the pitch clock. Um, is that going to be, you know, fully regulated? Uh I don't see a lot of pitchers, you know, being able to make that adjustment, the guys who take forever, um, but they're going to have to, I guess. So are they go- going to regulate that and, you know, use it like they should? Uh, how's it going to work out?
2: Well, I would tell you, uh, first of all, I went to a game in Reading this year and they had the pitch clock, obviously, in double A and it was great. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was wonderful. Um, the game ended and it was like 220. Wow. Uh, and uh, they they had two uh, minutes and 15 seconds between half innings for commercials. So it was similar mm-hmm. to a regular season major league game. Um, I I thought it worked great. It seemed pretty seamless. Um, I guess my one concern is I've been doing this long enough to remember when, okay, this year we're going to call the balk And they did for about two or three weeks, and mm-hmm. then everybody kind of forgot about it. And then they were gonna call the high strike. And that didn't really last more than a couple weeks. And then recently in the last couple of years, oh, the hitter can't step out. The hitter's gotta stay in the box. Well, <laughs> I don't know, I'm sure you guys have noticed. Yep. Hitters are stepping out of the box all yep. the time. So yep. if, they, if they follow through and they do it, I don't think, I think the time allotted is certainly sufficient To get yourself ready. I mean, maybe it's gonna you're gonna have to get used to it a little bit. But for both the pitcher and the hitter, um, I think it I think it makes the game better.
3: I'm a little curious because I don't think I fully understand the other rule changes coming in place with changing the size of the bases. I'm not sure if that makes it shorter to home from home to first or if it makes I it shorter for the throw from the infield to first? I, I'm not sure what exactly that's supposed to do. I guess it's supposed to be wrapped around
2: player safety somehow,
3: but who's getting hurt running to first base?
2: Yeah, I, I think as nearly as I can gather, the idea is you know teams have basically stopped stealing bases because the sabermetric rule of thumb is if you can't make it 80% of the time or 75% of the time, then you don't even run. And so I think they're hoping that it spurs more stolen base attempts. Uh, but at the same time, they're talking about a rule where you can only throw over a certain number of times, yeah. which kind of seems contradictory <laughs> to that. Um, and, and you know, an extra two inches. I mean, I know it's a game of inches, but I don't think that's going to make any manager feel more comfortable about sending a guy than he would otherwise.
3: Interesting. All right. I'm not sure I get that.
2: <laughs> no. Well, I, well, look, they're throwing a lot of mud at the wall these days. Um, and I don't have any problem at all. I think it's great that they're experimenting with these uh, different things in the minor leagues. Uh, but just because you experimented with it in the minor leagues doesn't mean you have to do it in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one they could have they left, you know, down there. The other change that you didn't mention is that next year, uh, every team is going to play every other team in baseball. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, which, as far as I can see, erases the last difference between the American League and the National League. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not even sure what the point of having different leagues is at this point. Yeah. yeah. Well, aren't, somewhere along the line, aren't they planning on
3: adjusting the playoff format accordingly? Be- yeah, because and, I, and
2: I think we could see realignment too conceivably. Um, But, you know, I, I loved it when there was a distinct... Uh, distinction between the two leagues. I, I liked that. I liked when you did you, when if you managed the World Series, you were not going to have seen that team all year. I thought that was I thought that made it. <clears throat> excuse me. I thought that made it more fun. Um, and, and I also and and this is the, really the old curmudgeon in me coming out. So let me get this straight. Um, back when there was only the DH in the American League, the games lasted much longer than the National League games because there was more offense. Now we're doing things to try to speed up the games, but we're still putting the DH in both <laughs> leagues, which in theory makes the games longer.
0: Uh,
2: I don't know. I don't get it.
0: <laughs>
2: the, thing, the thing
3: I'm going to miss with all that, depending on what they do, is I still want to play the stinking Mets. You need to have those rivalries. They're important. Um, Reds, Cardinals, you know, all, all the different ones, Dodgers, Giants. You know, they're important to the game too, and uh, it's, it's fun to see all the different players throughout the league but I think you still have to have those rivalries it's part of the games
2: yeah I think uh I think the Phillies are going to play their division teams 14 times instead of 19 times yeah I'm okay uh, with that so that's still you know that's still a goodly number of times uh I just hope they spread it out more than they did this year
4: yeah we had they they were done they were basically
2: done with the Mets by the end of uh May right
4: Which was actually a good
3: thing, as it turned out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they ended up playing the Braves a lot in the second half of the year. They didn't play that much in the first half. It was kind of odd. Well, Paul, we appreciate you coming by, as always. Let's do it again. Uh, You know, how about we have a little World Series talk?
2: Absolutely. I'll be here.
3: All right. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Hey, Chet, if you're spending more time on your couch than you are in your car, it's time for you to start saving with All States Pay As You Go Auto Insurance.
4: Yeah, you know that, Bill. All States Pay As You Go Auto Insurance puts you in control. You only pay for the miles you drive with the same full coverage that a traditional policy offers. Paper Mile Insurance gives customers greater control of their insurance costs. See how much you can save with Paper Mile Car Insurance by calling your local agent in Westchester, Pennsylvania. That's Dave LaVoy. Call Dave at 610-430-0700. Again, 610-430-0700. And start to save more now that you are driving less.
3: Well, hey, Chet, tell us, um, since it is mid-October already, where's the time going? Uh, Tell us what's going going on over at the Irish Rover Station House.
4: Bill, there's always a bunch of cool events and things happening at the Irish Rover, and they got a bunch of things on the schedule right now. In fact, this Thursday evening, I don't know what this is, but it's something called the Very Mega World Championships, and there's some kind of semifinals. It's like a video game competition, and they're having some of the competition right there at the Irish Rover. You have a chance to win beers or a gift card. Beyond that, again, I have no idea what it is, but the Rover does, so check that out. Also, they have live music the next few weeks at the Rover, the next few weekends. Um, They have a Halloween bash also on the 29th. Yeah, the Rover's always fun Halloween bash with a DJ plus prizes for the best costumes and much more. And if you're a beer lover like me, just know that the Irish Rover always has 24 beers on tap, plus dinner specials Thursday through Sunday and drink specials during all Eagles games. The Irish Rover Station House is on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne. Check the website. It is irishroverstationhouse.com.
1: Hi, this is Ray Dinger, and it is always fun to talk sports with these two guys, Bill and Chad, on Philly Press Box Radio.
3: Hey, Ray Diddy, good to see you,
4: pal. Hey, we're going to have to get Ray Diddy back in the show. I see him making, you know, little appearances here and there. He's not totally retired. So. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, we're going to get him back.
3: Hey, Ted. Eagles remain uh, the only undefeated team in the NFL at 6-0. and uh, But I'm going to tell you, uh, I was a little underwhelmed with the game in Arizona until it got to crunch time. They hunkered down on the offensive line and took care of their business. And uh, apparently – we never saw it on TV, but apparently made a special teams play that saved that game.
4: Yeah, the little uh, the tip on the field goal. Uh, they went up 14 nothing, and I thought it was going to be a cakewalk at that point, but they never really established the run game until the fourth quarter. There was some poor tackling along the way. They just didn't seem to have the killer instinct. You know, maybe they were looking ahead to the following week's game, which is this week's game against the Cowboys. I don't know. Maybe they were smelling themselves a little bit. You know, everybody talking about them being the only undefeated team. I don't know. It was not their best game, certainly. But as you and I and others have said many times, a win is a win is a win.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll take it. But we can also dissect it a little bit. And we always uh, do. (laughs) We always do. Because I I tell you, some things that were a little troubling to me, especially on the offensive side of the ball, uh, A.J. Brown caught three passes probably in the first – Two or three minutes. Yeah. Never saw him again. Him. Yeah. Matter of fact, I actually was looking on the formation to see if he was even on the field uh there later in the game because they were going with a three tight end set there on the in the run situation. But that was one thing that bothered me. The other thing, I thought the play column was a little bit different this week. Uh, a lot of screens, a lot of short things. They didn't put Jalen Hurts into very many. I'll call them stressful situations. They kept the game plan very simple. Um, But then again, on the defensive side, they seemed to play a bit soft. So um, I, I I don't know exactly where that comes from, but it just seemed to me it wasn't a near as aggressive game plan on either side of the ball.
4: Yeah, as you said, a lot of screen passes, and uh, Devontae Smith, you know, is t- taking a bit of a beating because he's not a big guy, and these short screen passes, he's getting he's getting hit quite a bit. Um, we mentioned the running game. I would have liked to have seen them try to get that running game going more. Maybe it was because they had so many injuries on the offensive line. At one point, they had three backups out there. You know, no Jordan Malada the whole game, and Kelsey out for a little bit, so. Uh, that could have played into it. I don't know. But they, they got the win, and now they have a huge game against the Cowboys, Sunday night football. I can't wait for this one, Bill.
3: Yeah, I, I can't either. I, I I like this game a lot. The only thing that excites me more than this uh, Eagles game is that we got a whole pile of Phillies games to get ready for the Eagles game. So it's going to be fun. Uh, we're with Joe. He says good teams win their worst games. How How true is that? Uh, yeah. You know, the other thing, too, uh, Miles Sanders, just six carries in the first half after coming off a 130, 40-yard game the week before. Um, and, and a lot of Jalen Hurts-designed runs, you know. You, you, I think you got to limit that just a little bit. He's good. I mean, he's good, and he's good at it. But you know, just the more chances you give him to run the ball, the more chances something bad could go wrong.
4: Yeah, so let's get uh, Miles Sanders involved more early. Let's get A.J. Brown involved more the whole entire game. Great game for Dallas Goddard, though, including that huge third and 11 conversion late in the game. Uh, that was big. You know, the Eagles only had eight offensive possessions, and they scored on four of them. So that's actually not bad. Two touchdowns, two field goals. So, And uh, Cam
3: Dicker, the kicker. A special teams player of the week, I believe. So, Absolutely. Well, so, you know, I, I wonder what middle school they took him out of because he looks like he's about 14. <laughs> he does. I, mean, I saw the interviews at the game, and he was like, you know, a teenage kid playing
4: a big high school game. He was pretty excited, happy to be there, and he got the job done. That's the important thing.
3: Yeah. Uh, one, one final question I want to ask you, uh, and I know you watch this on tape because you were, you were traveling home. Yeah. Uh, I find it interesting – with Jalen Hurts, um, his—I'm uh, going to say this—I think as a negative, but I'm not sure—his level of intensity, it, it is so almost like he doesn't enjoy being out there. He's—I uh, don't know if that hurts you. You know, we used to always talk about Randall Cunningham had that look on his face, that stare. You know, Jalen is so intense that you just wonder if, you know, is he really having a fun time out there? <laughs>
4: He's getting the job done. That's the important thing. I think he is having fun. And uh, he's just such a likable guy. He seems like a real leader, despite being only in his third year. Players seem to love him. So he can do no wrong in my eyes. And by the way, uh, our buddy Paul Domovich put out his latest power rankings. He's got the Eagles up to number two right now behind only Buffalo. And who knows? Maybe we'll see uh, those Bills and Eagles in the Super Bowl. That would certainly make Glenn Macnow and Glenn's dad pretty happy.
3: Yeah, you know, I, I'm not sure. We'll have to ask Damo next time we have him uh, how these power rankings come about because I never did understand them. I never did follow them because um, yeah. I didn't get them. But <laughs> yeah. when 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 you have Dallas at five, and we'll get more to this a little bit later on when we have Boop, I'm sure. But they have no offense. Um, yeah. Uh, how do you get a power ranking of five when you have no offense? But yeah. who knows? We'll find out about that.
4: Yes, we will.
3: All right. Well, hey, Chet, uh, let's move on. You had a chance to visit with our buddy Bundy, Chris Darien earlier today. Uh, good thing, because we were zigging and zagging, trying to figure out what we were going to do. Um, his new life-changing venture, his new book, now out, uh, or will be out in, a, what, about two weeks, I guess, Road to Redemption. Tell us about that. Tell us about your visit with Bundy at Let's talk Flyers.
4: Bill, I'm having trouble finding. Oh, no, wait. Here we go. If I do the ad video clip.
3: Maybe we need a producer. <laughs>
4: I'm telling you. <sighs> you okay. Austin
3: Boston, Italy. You know
4: this guy from his long NHL career, 11 of those seasons with the Flyers, and then his work as a game analyst and studio analyst. He is now an author as well. It's Chris Terry, and welcome back to Philly Press Box Radio, Bundy.
1: Great to be here, Chet. Uh, you know what? I don't get on many of these things twice. It's hard to get on some of them once so I get so many requests, especially last year with Flyers hockey. But you know what? Uh, you guys were one of the first ones I had. So you asked me and uh, i was ha- certainly happy to come back and join you guys.
4: Yeah, it's actually your third visit with us. So, uh, really okay. yeah, yeah, how about that? First of all, congrats on the new book. There it is right there, Road to Redemption. I can't wait to see that and read it. Uh, we'll talk about you with or we'll talk with you about that in just a few minutes but first of all chris we're going to speak uh, about the flyers upcoming season we're on the eve of another season and quite frankly there's not a whole lot of excitement about it now chris you're never one to hold back on giving your opinions on things what has happened to this great flyers franchise in recent years
1: well, you know, I think it goes back, and I know everybody wants is, is more is, is harder on the, the new hockey side than they really are on anyone else. But the problem is, is that we got sold. I think the city got sold the bill of goods. To be honest with you, on the on the level of the kids that they had brought in here, um, so you know, this is going back probably seven seven years ago. You know, I mean, if the and you know what, I, I'm always a believer that if you get a look at a guy for three years or four years, and he's part of of your fray or the guys that you want moving forward you know, you have a real good, hard look at those core guys. And then you got to make a decision afterwards. I think of like three or four years of whether or not you're going to ride, keep riding it, unless they're c- complete superstar, you know, at one or two and they're just mired in, in uh, the midst of having really poor talent around them. But, you know, I don't, I just think there's a lot of things have gone wrong. I don't think development has gone the way that any of these players uh, or, or the, the teams expected. they're in cap hell for a long time. That's one of the major problems. I mean, you look at this team, they're, Quite obviously, on paper, they're a bottom five, a bottom three team, perhaps. Yeah. But nobody has salary cap problems like that. I mean, teams that have salary cap problems like that are Tampa Bay Lightning, that will just won a couple Stanley Cups and have had been have been amazing for eight years. So that's the problem with this team. And you know, uh, the, the the Nolan Patrick pick at second hurt their development, especially that big guy up the middle. Injuries, uh, acquiring guys that were injured that were you know have taken up a big heap of your salary cap it's been a mess, Chet. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and tell you anything differently. And I don't think that I'm being unfair in my assessment. Yeah, I worked there for a long time, but uh, I saw the wheels coming off mm-hmm. long before my departure of that team. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of it for me, and I don't like to, to kind uh, of to, to dig up a grave or anything, but, you know, I think when you look back at even like a guy like Claude Giroux here, he was here a long, long time. And he was the leader of this team. And there was nobody that was ever better than him really in that span. But to me, he needed to get traded in like 2015 or 16. You needed to take what you had, what you had a good glimpse of him as your captain, as your team. It was it was good some years. and other years, they didn't even make the playoffs. They were out of it. So, you know, that was a roller coaster that went up and down for this franchise for a decade. Uh, and I really think that they missed the ball, uh, reacquiring younger, better pieces for a guy that I think that, for me, uh, I had a pretty good feeling what the future was going to be. Um uh, you know, with with G as the captain, I'd already had a glimpse of it for seven or eight years. I didn't need to see anything more of it. And I think a lot of people, GMs and stuff, keep players' individual talent around for their points because sometimes it'll just get you in the playoffs. And you'll know, be honest with you, that keeps your job. You'll keep your job if you make the playoffs. So I don't know, man. It's been a, it's been a rough rough few years here, Chet, and um, uh, and I and I you know I can't really say that I'd like to say. I I mean that's the one thing I want this team to do well. I saw how much Ed Snyder cared about the fans and, and the players I played with, and, and the things that we learned being, you know, Philadelphians and, and learning from what that crest stood for. But there's a lot of things that have to change, and they have to change quick. And uh, it's it's a lot of just a lot of damage and destruction has been done in the last three years. Uh, that's going to take a long, long time to uh, to get back.
4: And you mentioned injuries. Ryan Ellis probably not going to play at all this season. Sean Couturier is hurt. There's no guarantee we'll see him right away. Um, now, as far as uh, scoring, among the veterans in terms of forwards, we got Kevin Hayes, Scott Lawton, and Travis Konecki. Joel Faraby apparently is healthy and ready to go. James Van Riemsdyk still around, which is a surprise to a lot of people. A lot of people thought he would be gone, probably should have. Uh, beyond that, though, the casual fans are going to say, who are these guys? So let me ask you, where are the goals going to come from this year? Yeah.
1: Well, that's the problem, right? Like you mentioned, some guys there can score, like you know, Atkins is another guy. You know, yeah. Kevin Hayes put up what he put up—twenty-five goals one time, maybe or something, a couple times. But here's the problem: you, you know, you don't really have a number one line where everything falls in order. You've got guys playing third line, guys that are playing first line minutes. And trust me, if that's what you have to defend every night, there's a difference between a top end first line guy and you know a good third line player. I mean, those goals are not the same. And so, if you're another top pair defenseman and you're rolling against Philadelphia, I mean, it's a lot different having to check Kevin Hayes than it is having to watch out for Ovechkin or Nikita Kucherov. Trust me about that one. Nothing against Kevin Hayes. That's just the way it is. You know, he's not going to score goals like those guys are or put up points. So, but when you're thrust in the roles that you're not used to playing, um, you know, your, your team is going to end up hurting for that at the end of the day. Nothing against Kevin Hayes. I'm just, it's just a matter of him elevating in a lineup that he shouldn't be elevating. He's not a top line guy i hear you
4: we need to mention the new head coach a no-nonsense guy who's teaching discipline and hard work he's john tortorella uh is he gonna work in philly do you think
1: (laughs) i don't know (laughs) that picture uh i I guess if he smiles if he smiles like that every single night and looks at a ref i guess it'll sell for a while but i mean you know i don't know (laughs) you know uh he's a character i mean you know i I've had uh, just brief run-ins with him over. not Nothing, uh, you know, negative, just, like, hello and when, he, when I used to broadcast games. And he's very good to, like, former players and broadcast players that broadcast. But um, I, I think he's going to grow very frustrated here, Chad. I, and I said, like, I don't think – I said this summer on, on our own podcast, know the goalie, I said, I don't really think he knows what he has here. And I don't think he had a clue what he had here until he saw it in, in, in preseason. And, I mean, he even went so far as saying, like, you know, we might have 11 guys that can play in the nhl he said that and he says and the rest of them is probably going to be like a, you know a you know greyhound bus ticket back and forth to, to allentown he didn't say that i did but that's basically yeah you're gonna you're gonna be there's gonna be a lot of up a lot of turnover up and down between the two teams
4: all right last thing before we get to the book uh the goalie carter hart he's still just 24 we know he's got a lot of talent but there are questions about the defense in front of him how do you think hart and the d will perform this year
1: well, again, you know, I mean, Carter Hart is a good goalie and, and this is not a, you know, who knows, you know, Chet, there's goalies sometimes that used to, used to say Marty Brodeur was, uh, was a great goalie because he was only used to getting, you know, 20 shots a game. And, uh, you know, it's hard to stay focused when you're not getting a lot. You know, this kid here might see 50 shots several nights this year and uh, that may actually help him. Uh, that being said, though, it's not uh, conducive, I don't think, to have a kid that um, is going to be shell-shocked. He is 24. It's part of the development. He's not 21 anymore. Um, so listen, it's all fair game for the Flyers this year. It's not the player's fault that they're in the situation they're in. It's a collective, uh, uh, you know, a collective acqu- you know, acquisitions by the by the general manager and him putting the pieces together over the years. But certainly there's a lot of things that are not lining up. I hope they have success this year, Chet, um, but I'm just not, I'm not sure that it's it's, I just don't think they have the horses
4: yeah, well, low expectations, so you know anything above that will sure. we'll be pleasantly surprised. Why not? Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to the book. It is called Road to Redemption and there it is there, and you can hold up your copy yeah. too when we get you on. For people who you know don't know about your off eye struggles late in your career in the following few years, give them the scoop about you know what it, what happened and what's gonna what they're gonna learn from reading this book.
1: Well, I think, you know, I, when, I, when I started Right, and here it is here, I had uh, got, I got my 20 copies, so I got to get a few out to some media members. But um, what, what was great with it, really, Chet, is, you know, when Triumph Books, I guess, had gone around and they like asking people that have been in certain areas for quite a while that have had experiences to, to share with people in, in, in those areas, you know, like your experience as a longtime former pro player with the Flyers or the Eagles or whoever it might be. So as I started out as a hockey book, you know, I'd shared my story about recovery and, you know, my, my alcohol use, uh, disorder. It really did come out at the end of my career and afterwards, but, um, that the book itself has some amazing hockey stories in it. There's, I mean, I, obviously when you, you know, uh, you play as long as I did in Philadelphia, you get the Philadelphia flair, uh, in, in very much part of like, I, as I say, it's a Philadelphia story in a lot of ways, um, and I consider myself in many ways to be like the Philadelphia everyman. You know, I came out of Ottawa. I've been here for so long. Uh, I married somebody from South Jersey. My kids are all born here. And, you know, I'm an Eagles season ticket holder. And I roll with the fans. You know, I go to tailgates. I just love being part of the Philadelphia community. And I think that's what's, in, you know, made, endeared me to, to the people here. But as the book itself, yeah, you know, my last year in hockey, I shouldn't have been playing. It was 5 06. I I was had uh, really, really, really uh, bad problems with alcohol uh, from the stemming really from the lockout the year before I just had too much time on my hands and we lost it. And then, you know, two years I'd gotten uh, clean. I went to Karen recovery center, which is to me the best recovery center in the world. Uh, they're in Warnersville, Pennsylvania, you know, a place that's only an hour and 15 minutes from Philadelphia. So all the things that went around about it, um, you know, and then aftercare, you know, why did I feel aftercare was so important, which is a lot of the things that I, that I help with now. So, um, you know, I I've been blessed really, you know, as much as uh, things, I didn't like the way things ended the last couple of years or how they ended with the flyers. You know, I was blessed to have been a broadcaster there, you know, it kept me on the straight and narrow. I was able to to work on my recovery uh, and show people the real version of myself, which is what I hope this book does. You know, I think the one thing, uh, Chad is, you know, I was uh, I was a partier when I played and uh you know, and, and I, I adopted very much the culture of hockey, and I think that's what it is. So the book in, in and of itself started off uh, telling stories about the culture of the sport, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, you know, um, me in many ways being humbled into the world of hockey, you know, seeing guys like Bob Clark and all these other amazing people when I came to Philadelphia, having a chance to play with Lindros and start my career, um, and, and just really how, how those things um, – came to light but also how my recovery journey uh became the preeminent I think part of the book towards the end where I really delve into who I was what it was um and and what I do now in the in the recovery community to help people every single day with the same struggles I had so you know I'm 11 and a half year I'm actually more than I'm more than 11 and a half years sober now I'm working on 12. Uh, I work at Karen Recovery Center now I help a lot of aftercare facilities and um also people um afterwards uh, getting getting back on the street learning to live again you know you're gonna have to drive by your favorite liquor store or your drug dealer that was there before you have to avoid those kind of things and uh and that's what i do now you know i still do i still love talking hockey i still love coming on podcasts uh but you know what i was good at drinking i was good at partying also very good at recovery And, and that's i think what this book is it's got some great 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 hockey stories it delves a lot into those 90s teams a lot of some unanswered questions some people like you know i get people going hey are we going to find out what happened with lindros and brindamore I'm <laughs> like, i don't even know what i don't know what happened with lindros and brindamore like i mean people so people like i don't know where they manufacture this shit sometimes chet but um uh, you know but it, it's not a book about that yes there's stories inside stories but it's it's not a it's not a book that goes into like uh you know like ticky-tack stuff or, or or a tell-all of of trying to to sell someone else out that's not what the book is about it's a book that ended up being, as I said, a Philadelphia story, a recovery story, and a story about a guy who played in Philadelphia a long time that people saw from the age of 21. I'm now 50, um, and I think that there should be more books about this because people like uh, my, like me grew up in your households every single night. And not a lot of people know a lot about them.
4: We should mention that your former teammate turned coach, Craig Berube, wrote the foreword for the book. Yeah. And you authored it, co-authored it with uh, sports writer Wayne Fish. It'll be available October twenty-fifth. And how can people get a hold of it, Chris?
1: Yeah. So you know what, Chuck? Thank you. Yeah, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna actually have a page set up on Facebook. So proceeds, I'm gonna take. We're gonna we're gonna donate some money to sober living out of the book proceeds. We want to help people that are still struggling on the streets. Uh, I will have a page set up on Facebook. Uh, you'll be able to either use you know those the regular pay sites, Venmo, uh, Zelle. And will also i believe have a credit card processing uh set up as well i those are just my books that i'm trying to get rid of so i to push gotcha. mine for now but uh you can get them anywhere chad at, at amazon.com i think on one of my social medias i posted them before uh amazon uh barnes and noble all the bookstores and like i said october 25th and i will have a book tour as well i think we have about six or eight dates laid out and i'm probably still going to add three or four more uh over that time so nice. I, I really want to get out in the philadelphia community uh, talk to people uh, and just keep doing what I'm doing. That's what I've done. That's what I did all the years for the flyers. I love being around people. And uh, I still very much do uh, in this capacity. So but if I'm out there and you hear about a book sign, come on out and say, hello, I'd love to see you.
4: Absolutely. That was great. Former flyer, Chris Terry, Great seeing you, Bundy. All the best to you.
1: Thank you, Chet. Same to you, my friend.
3: Man, Chet, I'll tell you what, that's good stuff. And uh, you know, uh, honest talking about the flyers and, uh, First off, and honest talking about life, and uh, I'm—you saw a couple of comments I just put up there on the screen about people wanting to see that book. Uh, I want to see it too.
4: Hockey players are just the greatest. They're—they're they're always you know so nice, so friendly, so personable.
3: They are. Hey, let's uh, let's watch the Flyers. Mm-hmm. All right, Chet. Let's give a shout out to all the shows at the Edge of Philly Sports Network this week. Wall to wall coverage as usual. Network continuing to grow as usual. You can catch all the action at www eop sports.com as well as Edge of Philly Sports on YouTube. You can also find our show on YouTube at Philly Press Box Radio, our YouTube channel. Please help us out by hitting those subscribe, follow, like buttons, and share with your family and friends. As you can see, we're loaded up. And then, oh, that Cowboys game, Take that a halftime show, as well as a post-game, pre-game, the whole thing. Everything on Sunday. You know it. All right. All right, well, Chet, uh, let's welcome our man for betters insider, Boop Stats, Bob Vitrone Jr., live from Splits Bar and Grill to make this week's p- picks, provide us some week six tidbits. Boop, you grew a beard in a week.
0: <laughs> it was going, the Phillies started winning, the A1, the Chiefs won, I'm not getting anywhere near a Razor. Hey off gear, I love it.
3: Oh, uh, well, hey. Boop, uh, we're going to get to some tidbits, but let's get to some picks. Uh, you know, we we got to find out from Chet, first of all, how things went last week. It, it, we all thought this was a le- an easy week of picks. It didn't turn out so well.
4: Everybody had the same picks last week, even me when I was in Europe. We all went 2-2, two and two, so no change in the standings. I'm still in first, 13 and 13-7. Yeah, I'm the defending champ. I had to say it. You know that. Oh, uh, Bill, you're 12-8. and eight. Boop, you're still at 500, 10-10. But better days are ahead. I know it.
3: All right. Well, let's get it rolling. We are adding game this week. Uh, Boop, it always ends up being the Chiefs. It's Bills okay. at the Chiefs. Bills, minus two and a half on the road.
0: It is the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career he's been an underdog at home. If I'm Andy Reid, I walk into that locker room Monday morning and I write a gigantic 2.5 from the chalkboard and don't ever take it down. There's no way in the world they shouldn't be favored in this game, and they're going to prove it. They're going to be ahead by so far in the first quarter. Buffalo's going to want to go home then.
4: Hmm. I'm going to take those Buffalo Bills. I think that they are going to the Super Bowl this year. Bills to beat the Chiefs.
3: Well, I, I'm going uh, Chiefs at home too. I, I'm, I'm rolling with Andy Reid. I went against him one time uh, in Tampa. I'm not doing that again. Andy and uh, Patrick Mahomes, I'm, I'm going all in. Good boy. <laughs> all right. The Thursday night clunker, Ugh. the Washington commies against the Bears. Bears minus one, bad football game. Yeah, the Bears are 2-0 and at home, 0-3 on the
0: road. Even Bill can do that math. Uh, the commanders are going <laughs> to march out of Soldier Field with another loss.
4: Well, I wish I would have known that before I wrote down my pick, and I'm not going to change it. I'm picking Carson Wentz and those Washington Commanders. Wentz's job is in jeopardy. He needs to save it with a win Thursday night in this awful game.
3: Wentz is 6-0 on Thursdays in his career. Ah, there
4: you go. Thank you.
3: There you go. There you go. And, and you know what? Uh, I actually watched some of that that Commanders game last week. Wentz didn't play bad. He made the mistake at the end of the game. He actually played pretty pretty well, drove him up and down the field. uh, it, that game wasn't on him until he made the bad mistake at the end. Who I'm you going, got? I'm going Washington. Ooh, all right. All right, Ravens at the Giants. Ravens minus five and a half. Somehow the Giants have just one loss.
0: Yeah, I don't know how they got to four and one. Uh, the Ravens didn't play at MetLife Stadium for six years. Hmm. Now they're playing there twice in six weeks. They're going to do the same thing to the Giants. They did by the Jets, to the Jets in week one, double-digit victory.
4: Wow, uh, yeah, I don't know how the Giants are four and one either. They are certainly playing better than anybody expected. They do have what seems to be a legitimate coach now, but it's going to stop this week. I'm also taking the Ravens by at least five and a half, so I think they'll win and cover.
3: Yeah, I'm taking the Ravens too, uh, but I'm, I'm shaking my head at the Giants. I hope I hope there's not more to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, that gets us to Sunday night football. The Cowboys visit the Link, face the Eagles. The Eagles are minus five. How you like it, Boop? Well,
0: they're wearing all black, uh, which they were, did twice last year, and they went 2-0. Um, I'm going to chalk last week's little hiccup up to it being a long trip and maybe looking a little bit ahead to the Cowboys. We saw the Chiefs that last uh, against the Colts and also probably a little bit this week uh, with the Raiders and looking ahead to the Bills. I think that might have been the Eagles looking a little bit ahead to Dallas. They come out a little bit better on a Sunday night. I'm pretty sure the place will be loud. Eagles – I don't want to say easily, but let's say 28-21.
4: Hmm, interesting. The Cowboys haven't given up more than 19 points in a game this season. I think the Eagles will do a little better, but it's going to be tight. Cowboys have a great defense. they got a couple of good running backs offensively. I'm going to take the Eagles 20-17. to 17. They win, but don't cover.
3: Okay. I got one quick – oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, I, I, I'm going Eagles, too, and I'm going to go for two reasons. One is the Dallas offense stinks – uh, they're winning on defense. Michael Parsons is banged up. Uh, I think he's going to go, but he's banged up. Uh, I think the Eagles offense is still unstoppable. I'm going Eagles and I'm going to go by 10 points. Ooh.
0: One quick betting thing I got for you guys. Uh, a lot of people like to do the parlays with, um, the team at covers and the over under, uh, we looked at, uh, Eagle Cowboys back to 20, well, last everywhere. Uh, the last 13 Eagles Cowboys games at the link, there's not been one game in which the Eagles cover and it's been an over. So if you were thinking of an Eagles cover and betting over, I'd shy away from it. Uh, that's 13 straight years with that not happening. So, you know, take that for what it's worth.
3: Yeah. Man, that, that's more than a data point, isn't it? That's a trend. Yeah, exactly. Good stuff. All right. Hey, Boop, before we let you go, uh, let everybody know where they can follow you and all, all your platforms, everything you got going on. You can find me at
0: Twitter on uh, and You can find me on my website at Uh or this segment, which is sponsored by Split Spark Grill, which is where I am right now in the patio outside, which is a beautiful place to watch a game. Billy's uh, is up over there. Um, this patio will be open again for another month or so, as long as the weather's cooperating. And um, if not, come inside and see me. So, you know, Twitter, website, and Splits. Those are the three places I hang out. Yeah, there pretty much go. six
4: days a week, you'll find Boop at Splits. He takes a day off every once in a while.
0: <laughs> Despite my my wife's request for me not to.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, Boop, we appreciate it. Hey, uh, one quick one. Phillies, how many games till they win this thing? I, I always, it's hard to pick sweeps in these things.
0: Especially with a twenty-one and one, 21 and five guy going tonight, so let's say in four. Let's give the home team two home, uh, the Phillies two home games. I know a lot of people with tickets for Saturday that want to get there, um, so let's make it Phillies in four, and then uh, LCS,
3: baby, here we come. All right, you, get buddy. out of here, Boop. Go back. Enjoy to your yourself, seat. my friend. We'll see you right. next week. See All you, right, Boop. Chet. Great guest tonight, Paul Higgins, Chris Terry, and who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday?
4: Well, Bill, I'm not entirely sure about the uh, entire show next week, except for the fact that the Sixers will have opened their season Tuesday night, and so... We have to have D. Lineham back with us. D. Lineham, I think her 20th appearance, she's right up there with the Ray Dittingers and Brandon Lee Goutons. D. Lineham to help us preview the Sixers 22 23 season. We will also likely have a second guest talking baseball. It could be that James Seltzer and Jack Fritz, who were supposed to be on this week, but we had to switch things around because of the Phillies. It may not be. I don't know, but D. Lineham will be here for sure live on our show.
3: All right. Sounds good. Hey, Chet, we're running out of time uh, to talk Penn State-Michigan, so I'll just ask you a quick question. Who do you like Saturday at noon in the big house? Number four, Michigan. Number 10, Penn State.
4: Hoping I'm wrong, but Penn State has lost nine straight to top ten teams since 2016. That ain't going to change this year. I'm taking the home team. Again, hope I'm wrong, but I think Michigan wins.
3: You are wrong because Penn State's better than Michigan. So you heard it here first if you hadn't heard it before.
4: Hey, one quick thing, Philly Sports Trips, they got a big trip next weekend to Music City, Nashville. You can go to the Flyers game down there and they have other things on the weekend schedule as well. That'll be fun. And you can also book for next year's Philly Spring Training down in Clearwater, which will include a meet and greet with former Phil Skipper Charlie Manuel. Get all the info from Vince and company at phillysportstrips.com. Those guys are awesome.
3: Yeah, and they made a heck of a showing in Arizona, that's for oh, sure. Yeah.
4: Yes, As did. did
3: a lot of other Philly people, too. Good stuff. Yep. All right, Jet, let's wrap this thing up. You ready? Wrap it up. Let's go watch some All baseball. Right. Let's thank tonight's special guests, Paul Hagan, Chris Terry, and Bob Vitron Jr., our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LakeYourAge.com, PPCC 118, Raz Room, and Dave Foy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. For Jim Chetchesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, October 19th at 7 p.m. See us live on Facebook. Listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash Radio, on Google Podcasts as well as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and all the others. Hi Hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Go Phillies. Go Birds.
0: I hope Ah, uh-huh.